Dustin Jacobus is an artist exploring the solar punk futures of our heart's desire, primarily through his strengths as an artist. In this conversation, we discuss how his illustrations help to fill a void many of the solar punk enthusiasts may feel today as they search the internet looking high and low for depth and a better understanding of what a high-tech, eco-conscious future may look like and just how the society that sustains it might function. You can find Dustin on the gram at solarpunkart and you can see his jaw-droppingly detailed and inspiring publication at www.hbottlefield.com. Do you hear me now? Yes, I, I can hear you, Dustin. Uh, okay. Hello. Okay, then we're recording, right? Now. We're recording. We're recording. Thank you very much for, for coming on the show today. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so listen, Dustin, you and I, we've, we've been chatting a little bit um, before the recording started. And um, you, I, I asked you earlier, how long did it take to create this masterpiece that you've, that you've developed, uh, Universitas? And you said it so took it, you, yeah. Tell us, five tell years. us, five years. Two, two, five years. So that is quite that's a time. A, that's like doing like a PhD. <laughs> yeah, well, it it wasn't a full time job, but uh, it was during the evenings and and then the weekends. Um, but uh, yeah, after all, it, it took me quite a long time. Mm. Well, I mean, you can see how much time and effort you've put into this because, for for the listeners. Uh, right now, it is a beautiful illustration of what I would call a solar punk future. Yeah, and so. yeah, and and that's what I want to talk to you about today for you and tonight for me is your visions of the future. It, it says on your website that you're a researcher of the future. Yeah, well, um, the website actually uses a fictional character. That yes. was the, because the book evolved from it had different. Um, different forms uh, it used to be in, in the beginning uh, um, more of a novel with with uh, oh, um, wow. storylines and I worked together with um, a writer but then it evolved towards uh, a guide re- right. really a travel guide in which uh, um, a fictional character that I invented uh, actually was traveling in the future doing research about what he saw and what he um, encountered Wow. And, yeah, and that was the whole idea. But then uh, fin- the final product was just a, a description. Mm. A little bit because the reason why I didn't um, finish it off as a, a, a guide, a travel guide, was just because <laughs> my my own storytelling writing skills are more limited than my uh, drawing skills. So I decided to just focus on the on the artwork. Right. And maybe, maybe later on it could still be... Uh, um, it could be a novel in the future if you decide uh, to yeah. finish developing it. Actually, a couple of the yeah of the chapters were finished. Uh, okay. With real storylines with characters inside. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool! And and that fictional character you're referring to is H. Bottlefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and so I did. And he's, a... he's the researcher. He's he's um yeah an explorer, a researcher who's traveling around in, in the, the solar punk world and, and make sketches and notes on what he, see, he sees. Ah, a little bit cool. like, you, yeah, like you had in the earlier days, very uh, long time ago, uh, the European explorers who went to um, 
yeah, South America and, and stuff like that. You you also had naturalists, of course, who des- describe the, the the indigenous people they uh, they saw and the nature they saw. A little bit the same, but yeah, so, the, a similar concept. Like this person yeah. would have been on like a a convoy yes. of of a new colonist party or something like yes. that, and they're observing to bring back yeah. information and, to the homeland. And that's indeed that's character H. Bobblefield. That's wow. uh, how it's called. And and what, tell me, where does the name? Where did you get that name from? Like it's just any... a fi- it's just a fictional name. I, it isn't really. Um, it's a fictional name. Um, it just has a nice aesthetic for you. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's just um, yeah, some imagination yeah. that no no story behind it. So. Uh, okay. Oh, it's great. No, because it, it, it like, even just the sound of Bottlefield has like to me. I thought, oh, that sounds. It sounds something like a steampunk, you know, thinking about an old bottle or something like that. So I think it's very suiting, you know, the aesthetic sound of the word is very suiting. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. So you, th- this bottle field, who, who was in fact, I would imagine yourself <laughs> um, to a degree. But it's is, a little bit, it's a little bit myself because I'm, I, I made it, yeah, I made the book. But so it's my thoughts, but um, it's, yeah. it's easier to work with a fictional character sometimes. Mm. Why but, do you um, say that? Yeah. Well, sometimes to describe stuff, um, imagining that you're somebody else, somebody who can really walk in, in that in that world and um, yeah, and meet people and, and see stuff. That's sometimes yeah. to to um, because yeah, actually my own life, I don't do that kind of stuff. I I, I, right. have, I have still another job too, um, and yeah, so. It's easier to, to imagine that that that's somebody else who does yeah. something than you do. But um, it's almost yeah. like you've set you've given yourself permission to explore yeah. an area that you you may not allow yourself as as your your own your, under your own name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very interesting concept, particularly but like, like talk. Sorry, like on. on Instagram, I don't I post under my own name, so it's actually. I use the, the 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 name Solar Punk Art, but yes. Yeah. So it yeah, it depends a little bit. This, this is actually made for one book, and I made a site about it, and I decided to to post some other art projects too on the same site. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, you. There, there's a, besides the obviously an overview of the book on your website. There is also an art collection, and there's also yeah, a yeah. section on water and. And no. so what's the story but is that your art collection it, well it's a fictional art collection i made okay um, so, yeah. so i had uh, in the beginning different artistic uh, projects um that i wanted to design or make and an- another um art project was this fictional art collection in which the same character h bottlefield collected and gathered art pieces he found everywhere and he he tried to historically um, search for the stories that were behind them because right. um, yeah we live in the future and actually what will what what has happened now or 10 years ago 20 years ago within 100 years people will maybe not know it uh, anymore it depends on what kind of information they will have so of now course, of course. covid era, uh, time and you we could say um, Maybe they will know everything because we have a lot of data, and but that depends. 
can be that there, I don't know, maybe a completely internet collapse or information. Right. Collapse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't know. And maybe there, there, there only remain some sources and people will all look at, I don't know, for instance, only the Australian forces uh, information about uh, how COVID evolved. Right, because all other was lost on the internet collapse. That's that's actually always the case with history. You it always is, yeah. depend on on what you what you have at that certain moment, and it can be a written piece, it can be a video, and it often depends on who rules. They they often decide to uh, eliminate the, the the things they don't want to um, people to read. So yeah, well, yeah, we've had we've had previous examples of that with. Well, things like the the German Nazi Party burning lots of things, and also you know, the, I think it's arguable that places like the Library of Alexandria may have been burnt intentionally, and Absolutely. yeah, and I don't. And it's interesting. It's interesting that those artworks um, that uh, H. Bottlefield is collecting are physical artifacts, and yeah. and and I wonder if you could speak to the importance because. Obviously, you as an illustrator, you're creating something that is physical. And whilst there is a record of it on the internet, yeah. there's something about a tangible artifact that allows information to continue in time with a bit more safety than something that is digitized, right? Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's true. The, the objects they remain, and and and, and I think. Um, information, even digital information, you never know what will happen with it. Um, mm. But yes, and I think also oral stories. People tell stuff, and, yeah. And an object remains an object. If something is painted or a statue, it yeah, you still can have your own opinion about it, or you can create your own story about it. But still, it it reveals some some things. I think. It does. It does. Yeah. It, it's it's just fascinating to explore that idea of how fragile, yeah, important information can be in today's age. You know, when we we feel very sophisticated in looking after these important pieces of information. In fact, it's quite fragile. I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Absolutely. And uh, I, I had the idea to 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 make a, a series about futuristic <laughs> objects that will when when yeah the character. H. Bottlefield, he lives, he lives in a faraway future, and by then that will be history too. So if I yeah. make, for instance, an object from the year 2070, um, that for us it will be future, but for him it will be a uh, history. It will be in the past, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, but I didn't do that yet. So uh, I, I only focused yet with the art collection on uh, real history, real, uh, well, long time ago. And they're yeah, all well, everything and that I drew is fiction. So right, yeah. because it looks so real. Like when I looked at that art collection, I was like, "Oh, this could possibly be this person's collection of art." And mm. maybe it was something that I thought that actually inspired you as a person. Yeah. yeah. But um, so you did a wonderful job in doing that, you know, because yeah, yeah, it yeah. really feels like an art collection. I must say, I'm less focused right now on that um, art project. But there was a second reason why I've done them. Uh, it's because they are all large paintings too, so I can sell them. And, okay. Uh, the the okay. solar punk art uh, I've been making are more uh, small scale. They're less. It's less uh, easy to sell them too because it's okay. illustrations, a little bit futurism, science fiction, and um, the historical 
paintings uh, there's a market for such things so um, right right to, yeah. yeah it's it's a way for you as an as an are you an illustrator or would you call yourself an yeah, artist yeah, more, or? yeah maybe more an artist nowadays i used to i used to work a lot as an illustrator so um i have I've been many years uh, a freelancer and i worked as a technical illustrator so i always yeah. you know name myself an illustrator or saw myself as an illustrator but nowadays i think i evolve more towards uh, um, an artist because right and because there's a bit of you've introduced different types of media into your practice so you yeah, can absolutely. umbrella yourself as an artist more than just an illustrator is that what you mean yeah and but what I, what I do technically is more illustrating. I use pencils and and, um, and pens, and uh, mm. I actually never paint with oil paint or something or acrylic paint. Uh, mm. So in that way, I'm I'm still an illustrator, but I work around yeah concepts and and ideas, and I think that's mostly what an artist does. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, the art. The artist is an important person for seeing the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In society, in maybe, general. yeah, maybe even nowadays, science fiction, people, science fiction artists aren't maybe seen that much anymore as artists. Maybe it's it's more about contemporary art, and but yeah, actually that yeah, a lot of those science fiction artists are very spectacular artists, really with an unbelievable imagination. And, yeah. Uh, and and I think they inadvertently sometimes they create the 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 future because I mean I always think of uh, things uh, people like Gene Roddenberry who created Star Trek right yeah. what you know and an artist in his own right was able to kind of project into the future and then in some aspects society followed and created some of the things that we saw in his visions yeah that's that's always have been the case that artists create and it's a conversation between yeah. science, between people that, that are inspired by what they see and maybe a little part, they, they, they say, I'm going to try this out in a more practical way. And so in a certain way, science fiction steers or pushes uh, society and yeah. that can be dangerous too, of course. It can, it could be, yeah. <laughs> if you, if which, which I think is what's very exciting about the solar punk narrative itself, because as I'm sure you're aware, it sort of is an offshoot of a cyberpunk narrative, Absolutely. which yeah. some cool. do see as being dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And there, you know, there's a certain positivism, positivism that comes from the solarpunk yeah. narrative. H- how do you feel about that? Well, I, I think it, it's one of the reasons why I um, labeled my work as solarpunk, because I, I believe this positivism I didn't want to make um, dystopian worldviews anymore, or yeah. such art. I, I believe there circulates a lot of art, and and and, and especially in the movies industry, yes, um, in which they show dystopian worlds, mm-hmm. and the written um, industries. Yeah, books you you read a lot about uh, about yeah, very negative, pessimistic uh, narratives, and. Yeah, and in the news, obviously in the news, it's all it's it's it has a very negative um, tone. And yeah, I wanted to to to, to create a positive uh, world in which and 
worldview, in my opinion, is I, I see stuff and I don't I want I want to remain neutral. I don't want to say we, we have to go that way or that way, but I just pick the elements. It can be high tech, yes. it can be low tech, it can be indigenous um, or vernacular architecture, or it can be um, bio architecture, organic architecture, and I just try to uh, illustrate them in a way that I think if we have to go that way, that should be a nice aesthetically yeah. world or a green world, sustainable world. Yeah. To, yeah, people to to do something with it or to get inspired or to neglect it and, and criticize it, that can be good too, of course. It, it, yeah, well, uh, criticism is often a powerful way to move forward in in a better way you know yeah, yeah constructive criticism is very important to the creative process yeah absolutely i, I think yeah. I, I depicted quite a lot of stuff that i i would not even say that that would be my favorite uh future but it would okay be, but it, it's yeah it doesn't it's not necessarily what i what i would choose right yeah and 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 is that that's just an expert that's your own exploration you're just exploring what is possible as opposed to this is no, what i want no, to no it's not exactly my own exploration i'm i'm inside of i, I i'm part of networks uh, online networks okay. with other people architects scientists and i explore together with them ideas and after a while when i think i get i get the idea or i understand the idea quite well um then i try to to sketch it down and then and, and transfer it to into images that's how wow so so if i'm hearing you right you you uh, engage with a broad spectrum of community from different areas that either inspire you or you feel as important and and if they are emulating ideas that you feel you can illustrate then you will try that out yeah. and of course yeah i i I add my own ideas too. It's not only uh, that sure. I tra- that I translate the the ex- of course, but yeah, it, it's because there's so many topics like from agriculture to um, yeah robotic design. It's it's very difficult to know what's yeah what can be created or what what is completely ludicrous. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I um. So that's important uh, for me to, to, to have contact with the community, with, with people out there. And uh, social media is very interesting to, to do so. You mm. can have contact with people in the States, Australia, everywhere who are yeah. busy with the same topics or a part of, of, of um, the solar punk. Similar communities, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm exact, I mean, look at this conversation right now. I, I found you on a social media platform. Exactly. And I'm very interested in, in those like the nexuses that you're exploring between, as you said before, things like agriculture and engineering, you know, and what would happen if they were to come closer together and speak to one another. Um, I've never been able to find those conversations manifest visually until I came across what, what you've been working on. So, Well, I, f- I felt the, 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 there was a, a lack of, of, of it too. I, I've seen so many amazing artists really amazing artists who have yeah such such skills but it's often mm-hmm. uh, for me it lacks often a little bit the technical uh, or i yes. they they just often depict various futuristic worlds and then it stops and 
I, I've often looked yeah. them up on, on their sites and then you see that they, yeah, they also focus on, I don't know, alien landscapes or... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I always wanted to know, okay, they depicted a house or something like, I, I see bricks over yes. there. How do they do it or what's the vision behind it? And it's difficult to find. Um, it is people it is i think we've had the same we've had the same struggle because uh, as as many people who are interested in this solar punk artwork they you know they may have found something on something like tumblr or or a deviant art and it's usually just a sole image by one artist yeah. and it kind of leaves you wanting for more you know and i like you have spent time trying to find them that offer a little bit more realism that you offer yeah. and the realism that actually allows me to take a step further and go oh i can really see this world developing now it's not just this standalone image that is almost mystical um, because it doesn't have any background or context to it same feeling i have and i think it's a little bit because um a lot of, i see a lot of wow uh, visions and ideas but it's almost always written and I think because mm. there are a lot of scientists, uh, engineers, thinking about how things can evolve in this way or that way, and think about yes. solar punk aesthetics, but there are no illustrators, so they mm. they write it down often often in their own uh, um, forum uh, on the in- on the internet, often enclosed yeah. or not not enclosed, but not easy to to. Um, to link with or to communicate with with such right and it it remains a little bit hidden if you're interested in it i know now i work together with an, an american science fiction writer who is in my in my opinion very um yeah he's quite a genius in how he uh, sees things but his texts are very technical and i can understand for a lot of people they don't want to read it so um it's easier to translate it in in images and i've i've seen quite a lot biologists and um uh, eco designers who really think in in texts and they think in that that yeah some of them skills to to write very interesting a little bit popular uh science uh yeah novels but some of them don't and they remain in academic circles or in um i don't know even alone lone wolves i don't know uh, on their own yeah they kind of they just haven't bled into this this arena as much as some other science fiction realms have and i think i think it's important uh, i find myself reminding myself often that you know this is the, the solar punk genre is relatively new you know so when you think about it in context with cyberpunk or steampunk or something like that, it's only probably a decade old ish. You know, it's it's so so we're at the we're at the beginning, and so are you. You know, you you're at the beginning of helping it bleed into other realms, or well, not other realms, but other more accessible areas for for people who are interested. And there are a lot of people interested. Yeah, yeah, that's that's lovely to hear. That's like true. Yeah. It's it's very um, young. And actually, I started mm. um, for me. I know solar punk for a while, but it remained a little bit vague for me. What, what um, yes. I saw definitions and, like you say, some mystical arts pictures from an unknown artist and with a yeah, definition yeah, yeah. underneath it. And um, I, the, I worked together with um, Eric Hunting. He's an American science fiction writer, 
And um, okay. he noticed the same. He noticed that there was a lot of confusion about what Soropunk means. And mm. uh, so for that reason, he decided to write uh, a, a technical paper. It, it was called Soropunk Post-Industrial really? Design and Aesthetics. Um, oh, I'll have to find yeah, it. Yeah, you can find it on Medium. Uh, you can find it on okay. Medium. And he was he asked me if I wanted to illustrate it. And then that time I didn't have much time, but I um, I decided, yeah, I thought this, you're absolutely right that you want to do clarify the definition or show people what um, yeah, yeah so, so solar punk is or what he thinks solar punk is. But I, I, I thought, yeah, he's right. Well, what, what he writes is very powerful. And I um, decided to illustrate his, his book, um, Tiny Sketches. Um, and from then on, I said, yeah, actually what all, all the stuff that I do is also solar punk. And noticed the same yeah. like you, that there was much more interest much more um yeah everywhere people were interested in solar punk and i thought it's the right time to to label it more solar punk and um show it to a community and together with the community uh create the solar punk uh, narrative create it yeah i mean through the exploration is the creation of something that is this young yeah. That's fascinating. And I think, I mean, what an opportunity to, as we kind of touched on earlier, to be positive about the future and, and add another level or layer for a viewer yeah. who is interested in pursuing it themselves to really see what's possible. And I think that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna congratulate you on, <laughs> throughout this entire interview because, yeah. you know, I think it's amazing what I you've been know. doing. You, you've been speaking about many people who have inspired you. And um, I'm sure there's many people who have inspired you, but I'm I was uh, inspired early on by a man named um, Jacques Fresco. Fresco, yes. Yeah, I, I'm wondering, you know, besides people like him and, and the Venus Project, are there any other authors or artists or, or futurists that you can draw upon from your work or that has inspired yeah, absolutely. you? Yeah, there's a, actually um, in Belgium where I live. There's a um, a very uh, well-known architect. Well, I must say he's old. He's getting old now, but um, but he was uh, famous in, in his days. But I think he's already in his nineties. Uh, oh wow! He's called Luxe. Luxe. Okay. No, Dutch I haven't heard of him. Sounding name, but in my yeah. opinion, he's he's the godfather of solar punk. He never he never really? used the word solar punk for his own work, but yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff that he made is yeah quite amazing. It's it's about organic architecture, bio architecture. Um, he, he talks about living architecture, um, and he designs. It's an architect. So um, what he does, he, he makes images about. He works a little bit in the same way like I do, or I could say I work like yeah. he works. Maybe yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's an artistic influence yeah, in your work for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And he. He makes illustrations and he uh, writes texts next to it to describe how it how it can evolve. Um, and he's from an artistic family. His his brother Francois Schuiten, he's a, a very well known comic uh, art uh, designer, an okay. amazing artist, really an amazing artist. They made books together too. Books. They yeah. made books together. Did he more illustrate a lot books, of the, the so more, um, okay. in which they uh, yeah. 
some couple of main characters uh, have all kinds of adventures in I think with his brother he made more like steampunk uh, but sure between steampunk right. and, and solar punk and a little bit dreamy mm. worlds but Luke Schuyt, Luke himself he really focused on, on that. that's for me it's a solar punk team uh, you should look it up it's it's or I can I'm going to yeah when we get off when we get off this I'll get you to yeah. actually type that to me because I'm not sure I will know how to spell that well it's that. a bit more easier I think he has a website the digital city so that's the, vegetal, the what city vegetal. oh like a vegetal city okay alright alright I'll write that down and I'll look it up for sure that sounds right so so you feel like he was pretty much a bit of a pioneer in this realm absolutely without absolutely. even knowing he, he, he works yeah, he, he did so many um, work around this topic already for 40 years. And if you will look it up, wow. what he uses is actually he he, he think he, 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 he wants that um, we will design with living matter. So in his opinion, he says uh, you have a, a part of pristine nature. Uh, then with, with birds and animals and, and all sorts of trees, it's actually very beautiful. It's what we do in our free time. Mm. We go to nature to hike, to, to, to get inspired. Right. Yeah. And man comes along and he wants to create a, a built habitat. Um, he, he wants to make a home there. What he always does is, um, yeah, he needs to, to get space. So he gets rid of many of the trees and, and um, levels it uh, so we can uh, build something over there and then uh, you replace what once was a forest or uh, with trees and, and animals and whatever with that material being that wood mm. processed with chemicals paints right. to to make it not uh, rot away because normally a tree would fall and it would uh, give away his nutrients back to the, to the soil but now right. you need to yes. you want to build with it, so you need to make sure that there, there, there are no maggots and and, anim- and and small insects eat the tree. So you you um you you treat it with with all kinds of products. You do the same with with sand or with raw materials. You you um, process it so it becomes steel or it becomes concrete, and so you replace a forest for a dead. Uh, forest of built materials and in that case he says what architecture often do they are specialists in uh, using dead materials and combining it and creating volumes that for us are functional and some architects also have the the aesthetical elements sometimes we also say wow that's beautiful too but in the end you have mm. the, the, the end result is that you always end up with wasting something beautiful and replacing a uh, mm. habitat of dead materials. Uh, yeah. And so, and even if it's like aesthetically beautiful, it is in fact made from lifeless uh, material that no longer continues that in life. often also uh, are, have many toxical elements too that come back yes. in the soil and, and in the air. And once we don't use it anymore, it's, yeah, it's, it's waste. It's, uh, it's, difficult it takes takes some time before nature can reclaim it again and and yeah it can restore so what he wants to do he wants to um, 
built with living material. So he he've mm. done some research about how you can use living trees uh, to, to make buildings with it. That's something that's not possible today, but he says we need to, to search more on how we can uh, use trees as a construction material, for instance. Yeah, and not just chopping yeah. down and using its lifeless form, but almost encourage it to Different. grow yeah. in particular shapes. And, architecture. and uh, for instance, look more yeah. at nature. It's called biomimicry. Uh, and yes, yeah, like he says, look look at the wings of dragonflies that uh, that are transparent, and use that as a material to 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 grow from itself as windows, for instance. And it's it's yeah it's also a relatively young uh, science uh, biomimicry design, and he's uh, he's always encouraged yes, yes. people to look uh, in that way. So that's actually what Luke Schroeden mm. has done uh, quite a lot. That's I mean that's beautiful and fascinating, and I love it. I love the whole concept of biomimicry. Is is you know even from a logical perspective, it makes a lot more sense. Uh, you know, moving forward into the future, people people are realizing that some things are just better designed uh, as nature has designed them. So there is a logic there that that we are as a society starting to follow. And maybe it's not for everything yet, but you see, uh, as you know, maybe it's just because we're immersed in this world and we think about it. But I feel like there are more and more projects that are taking on a biomimicry avenue to get to for their me, final product. The, the number one source of inspiration nature and biomimicry design yeah actually i'm my background uh, graduation i graduated as an engineer product design so i okay. have quite okay. scientific background um and already when i was studying product design biomimicry was my number one uh, source of inspiration always look at how nature solved and mm. the astonishing thing is that nature often a tree grows meters high and at the spot where it where, where the seed has been planted that's unbelievable it, 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 it um, attracts the the nutrients and all the building material out of the ground without polluting uh, the environment if we do the same yeah. we yeah. need to build a mine some miles uh, further away we pollute it over there and we create something with that material and when it falls yeah. over it, it takes years to to uh, yeah, to, to, to solve yeah. that waste and all the toxic materials inside it if the tree falls yeah it's so for me that's amazing uh, looking at, at nature in that way how it can solve so many problems without polluting yeah it's logical right like that's a logical way yeah. to think about it I yeah. see this bio yeah. biomimicry uh, principles luckily being used uh, a lot today's today in industries and uh, mm. yeah textile fashion everywhere so that's good sign yeah it's a very good sign. yeah well I, I think um you know I think often when when we're faced with big problems we are also forced to find solutions and you know the recent climate movements uh, in the past couple of years have really you know there are there are countries uh, announcing that they're in a climate emergency and when you have an urgency to do something 
there's a, a cultural impetus to to back that and and support it and biomimicry as you said seems to be part of that push towards a more sustainable just logical way of living yeah yeah it's it's fascinating um in your in the in the first chapter on the agricultural community uh you, you there's some biomimicry obviously throughout all the chapters but number one just looking at the plan of uh some of the agricultural communities that's what brought uh Jacques Fresco to mind because he's sort of um for the listeners uh, quite famous for developing like city plans and things like that i'm i'm wondering what how did you come about these these designs that you created yeah you you're talking about uh, the first chapter with uh, the blueprints of um with the yeah yes the the Mo- yeah, the moshav okay. agricultural well, plan um yes well first of all there are there are some aspects um what i designed there as what they would call an, an arcology a very uh, an arcology big, right yes i've heard this word recently architecture and ecology um so it's a, it's an architect, architectural form in which they 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 use for densely populated uh regions with an ecological low impact on uh, the human habitat but um i i would say arcologists and like fresco or um you have others others too um, who, who developed um such arcologies are interesting um but they are i think cost intensive very intensive because they are right. very large scale so it could be that mm. it's not necessarily what i yeah what i think that will always be the solution because you need to 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 think very large scale have a lot of a lot of people to develop yeah. it's uh, it's very um yeah large for, as a, on a as a construction site to make such stuff and it's yes. it will be yes, probably yes. often easier to 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 start small scale but anyway i developed yeah. some kind of um arcologies myself and one you're talking about yeah. the agricultural community is uh, such a project in which i use um um a sea seashells uh um how we call it the, the, the some kind of shell starfish a yes, starfish as um yeah yeah as uh, the base for a large architectural arcology and in which the the mm. the body of the the the, the the anatomy of the the starfish is used as a yeah as a house to to house many 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 people and um, around it yeah. you have uh, circular forms that mimic a little bit the moshaf uh, the the kibbutz and that's what yeah. that i love to reintroduce it's the cooperative model of such uh, communities yeah they yeah such kibbutz you could find them maybe still today in, in Palestine and in Israel um and yep. they they start with an uh, and a community that's completely focused on agriculture and who lives inside and at the center of the of the agricultural uh, area and around there uh, the place you have such um, yeah large large scale uh, biodynamic agricultural uh, fields so it that yeah. concept of the the, the old 
um, yeah, more shelf communities that I like to do, uh, to show and to depict. Yeah, they they're amazing, and I I, I love that how that you drew upon the that sort of the the concept of the kibbutz. Um, I, I once had a girlfriend years ago whose mother was in a kibbutz for a while, and she taught, she would tell stories about it, and it just it always sounded amazing the community aspect and also just that sort of like circular geometry that not just yeah. physical circular geometry but it was a circular economy of sorts and you know it's reintroducing surplus back into itself to create more and you know again that's that's a bit of to me there's a logic there that yeah, is worth pursuing yeah, you know because because there's a mimicry of, of nature yeah. and it's circular you know the, the the circularity of nature yeah. i guess you could and how it. i depicted it is it's, it's very large scale but um you could do that like uh the kibbutz it's it's not that large scale that are small villages so it, it doesn't need to be necessarily something um uh as, uh at such a large scale like i depicted it but the reason why i right. also depicted it like i show show it yeah like on my illustrations you can see on my illustrations is because i also thought that maybe in a, a nearby future we could evolve towards large intentional communities focusing on uh, mm. architecture uh, or on agriculture or on um, robotic design or on uh, yeah, uh, spiritualism. So that's also yeah, what you can yeah, see yeah. in those agricultural communities. It are people passionate about a certain type of agriculture who come together they of course do other stuff too but their main focus is all uh, is about agriculture and it creates yes. Um, yes. connection between people who, who go there who um who want to do yeah the same and create him yeah, yeah. And, and 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 you know a reconnection back to the you know the the nature of the world which is kind of an essence of solar punk itself you know there's a a working with the world the land the earth uh in you know for the benefit of everyone yeah i i I, it's interesting what you were saying before about how you don't necessarily see that being you know a good way to do it because of its sheer size and the first thing i was thinking about was um you, you you know there's some of those cities that have been developed in in china like but entire cities all at once and they've become completely abandoned or just never visited because they were too big and there's too much energy required or time of people required to even frequent them yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah and, and is that your similar thought there bit, like it's, what, it's, why it's uh, several <clears throat> disadvantages i think it's if you design something with a uh, with a group of people who think yeah this will be the most sustainable city that we can think of and you you create it and yeah. it probably will take quite a lot of time to maybe in china not there it goes very fast but um <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a little bit it's, it has it lacks a little bit of flexible uh flexible uh, yes. it's not flexible and i think a city isn't something you can really design or create something that grows organic right. something that evolves over time it, 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 there are needs and there are solutions for those needs and then it it grows so i i like the concept yeah. of, a, of a city that is created in such a way that it can easily adapt to different uh 
circumstance. Yes. And that's yeah. you can do that with our colleges too. If you if you build such large scale sustainable cities and you implement uh, the ingredient that it can be adapted and changed or repurposed, uh, then it's okay. But often in such concept you see the idea of one visionary architect with his own aesthetical view and his own ideas and it's often very yeah it's stuck a little bit stuck uh, it's not that able to do for change yeah. and that's often the problem it's almost too grand like it's yeah. too grand from the very beginning yeah yeah I, I like what you how you talk about how cities grow and you know based based on the feedback yeah. of its inhabitants does it grow you know it doesn't just grow for the sheer sake of being big and beautiful from the beginning and i think unfortunately that may have been part of jacques fresco's downfall with the venus project because it was just so damn grand and beautiful but maybe entirely unrealistic yeah, there's an, um, a finnish uh, architect marco casagrande and he developed um an idea it's called parasity and that's uh he developed a model in which you say you can see the, the city evolving and and as some kind of organism like like um, right yeah like like you can see uh, a group of bacteria that grows where where they, where they find yeah. the nutrients they need and um yeah I've, I've developed quite a lot of uh illustrations in which i use the same philosophy in which the city grows and, and flows mm. and some parts uh, go dead and go back to the to nature or reclaimed back by nature yes and with our cities we have today it, it's often but actually cities they constantly constantly uh, change but they do it anyway because people move inside and then and, 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 but we often have yeah have the the, the idea that we need to remain or keep our cities like uh, they are and and yeah yeah serve them very well and yeah mm, mm, mm. yeah it's a fascinating th- i mean it's it's really a field of anthropology when you start to think about how cities develop because they develop off the back of yeah. the visions and the needs of the people Absolutely. who inhabit them yeah the bacteria the bacteria yeah 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 um the agricultural community uh chapter that looks at the the um that the big development also reminds me in in your second chapter for the science community you have the capital city of the science community which is um Udakni and Udakni has its own city plan which is similar you know it's it seems very large and it's circular and I'm wondering if you could you could talk to me about the Yeah, the development well, of Udakni and uh, discovering an Udakni. thing that I wanted to illustrate with uh, Udakni. And that's, I suppose, and I think that there will be a lot of landmarks left behind. You could say scars from uh, earlier on industrial development. And such a mine is, is a beautiful example. It's um, maybe pretty soon it will become something of the history, those look open pit mines yeah. uh, that are really yeah scars you can see them from uh, from outer space actually and um, yeah and they what they scars, often yeah. do with mines because they have such such a large impact and I think in Australia you have quite a lot of such mines um, 
we do they try to yeah. Uh, um, yeah recover them like like they uh, like it was before it was a mine but often mining companies don't spend as much money in um, that rehabilitation as in yeah in restoration yeah. as they do although they, they yeah. um, earn a lot of money with with uh, exploiting the, such mines and it's often left for the government to pay it with tax money but um in the end the mine remains in a in a poor state or the area remains in a poor state and after a while yeah, nature always recovers but i thought there would be a lot of in a in the post-industrial society a lot of abandoned uh, cities ab- abandoned industrial areas abandoned harbors uh, mines and they could maybe some of them could be uh, recovered or repurposed and i i've seen quite a lot of ideas about reusing such mines it's not that easy but maybe in a in a nearby future it could and what i like about it is that we um, can gr- can go underground subterranean uh, and it's already partly subterranean mm. especially such a, an open pit mine it's already a pit so um yeah it's already been excavated and, for you yeah so maybe you could use it and then you don't use uh, the surface around it uh, that can be given back to nature or, or what um, that sure yeah it doesn't have to be cleared because already part of that area is cleared so yeah. why not use but it's the often, area that often is because, because such mines are yeah. often not not at, not the best places to to build something um so i i made a large dome uh, over the it's uh, it's uh, again a very large scale project like you mentioned now mentioned but um mm. yeah I, I i i like the idea to to do something with such industrial post-industrial landmarks um but but yeah the the, the the stuff we left behind um because there will be quite a lot of that old infrastructure that will be laying there not in use anymore because you have to know also mm. for the book uh, universitas i uh it starts with some kind of it's it's it starts sadly with a, a collapse a worldwide collapse. yeah oh really okay yes yeah i wanted to talk to you about this because sorry go on yeah so to tell people when when you open the website and I'm, I'm sure when the book comes when you open the book there's like a little blurb that talks about you know the fall of civilization could essentially happen soon but can you talk to well, me about that it, 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 it's actually maybe a happen uh, happening right now then you you have um mm. you, you have all the negative sides uh, climate change that that people already uh, are, are aware of and you have people who really want to change, but then you have this a system too with people who are in favor of changing it and people who are in favor of a status quo. Often people who want, who want that it yeah. remains the same are people who benefit the most of the system like it is today. And often such people um, yeah, are more wealthy people or people who have more power or land in use and it's it slows it goes very slow and fast at the same time it's not right. like we're all looking in the same direction and acting 
um, like we should act uh, and you have it, it because it, you, you see you had a financial crisis uh, 10 years ago some some stuff changed but then again it didn't and you have climate, the climate crisis mm. and a mm. lot of cities are um, trying to deal with it but you you will always have powers of more conservative powers trying to reclaim it trying to um, to monetize it trying to create a green green wash uh, uh, form of it yeah yeah, uh, yeah commercializing it you see that with many um, technology technology too for, for instance tiny houses could be a nice example it 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 mm. tries to deal with the housing solution in which a lot of people have to deal with the fact that they have no um, no possibilities anymore to to um, buy a place so they say we, we can create uh, a tiny house on, on my I can create a tiny house on myself and live there with my kid or with my wife or with my family but at a certain point there could be a, a large company who creates such tiny houses and sells and commercializes it yeah. and then it gets uh, swallowed by a system and they sell it yeah. as something green but that's not that's not what it initially was meant for it was initially to 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 um right to say we have a huge problem we can't house our people anymore mm. they need to be creative and, and think about all kinds of po- possibilities they find solutions and then you have that that other force that is um again not understanding the the message and the political force that doesn't understand the message and actually even sometimes branded as something good that large companies who are uh, yeah yeah, selling, yeah for instance tiny houses prefab tiny houses and this goes on and goes on and on and on and on and in my book at till a certain point that we went really too far and and there's a, a global crisis and actually today there's already uh, a crisis everywhere with the pandemic and mm. uh, at the background the financial crisis at the background the climate chi- uh, change crisis you see a lot of unrest everywhere you see a lot of protest everywhere and i'm wondering what will happen once uh, the pandemic has um one, once we have overcome it how they how they will act politically right. and how the people will act because yeah what what will they do because um will it go on like it like it was before the pandemic or will it uh, stop and sadly in my book i say it, it will not stop it will go worse and at a certain point I, I don't say there will be wars or something, but the system we will have right now will just collapse. People will be, a lot of people will be left on their own. Uh, and there will be, some will choose more and more for an upper class or for a wealthier middle class. And more people, some people will get mm. flooded, uh, some cities will get flooded. And at a certain point, uh, local governments will maybe decide not to invest anymore in it so some people will be left on their own and that's how it starts it starts with mm. a little bit dystopian uh, um, storylines mm. and then you will have uh, different narratives 
of an upper class trying to maintain themselves and more maybe maybe yeah very sustainable arcology cities somewhere where it's very good and you will have abandoned uh, poorly managed cities where more creative solutions will will uh, grow maybe local govern governments, yeah. governments will uh, emerge uh, such stuff so that's how it starts uh, i don't know if, it, if that was a little bit clear for you or um... no 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 that's fine that was, that was a beautiful tangent that that reminds me of something you know one of the you know we were talking earlier about how young solar punk is right it's a relatively young genre and there's many interpretations out there but one of the emerging interpretations that i do see that kind of speaks to this um you know i guess in your book it, it kind of seems a bit bleak to start with but one of the interpretations that seems to be emerging a lot yeah. is is it's positive yeah. you know we talked about a positive a positivism that comes through in this and your book the universitas and all of the illustrations that are in there are almost positive in the sense that they're aiming yes. for a resilient societies you know there's there's a resilience that's coming through um particularly with i think it's in i think it was in the spiritual chapter you know there are whole maker hubs there are there are art communities where solutions essentially can be found and can be built and all sorts of way avenues out of that yeah uh, uh, yeah because I, I didn't want to focus in the book about the negative part and the collapse and the the, the, the sad stories that will uh, will emerge when people are left behind and climate refugees stranding in Europe and not getting any help or maybe in Australia I, I suppose it's the same or uh, the Americans shutting down the borders and mm. leaving uh, economic refugees and climate refugees standing mexican border stuff like that i don't, didn't mm. want to focus on that so i started um with the more positive uh side and which i say i want to focus on the different narratives if you're in an some somehow abandoned old ruined city with a group of people you could maybe have have possibilities to create a better green future if you're in a big nordic city in scandinavia yeah where you have maybe less disadvantages of the climate change new uh positive narratives could emerge if you're in living in the desert area in, in texas in, uh, in the united states uh again new positive uh storylines could be could emerge over there and i I did, I try to see all yeah. those all those different solutions and combine them and it depends on in what situation you will will be so the, a lot of a lot of the stuff that I make are really large arcologies really l- large scale projects with high tech with robots with with um with all the technology you you, right. you see the the captains of industry talking about today as if that will be uh, the solution for everything and they are they remain blind for what's what hap- what's happening too at their back and they blindly believe mm. that we can solve everything with technology but there's a truth in it too mm. a lot of the technology can be used to to um, to create beautiful worlds 
but you will have another side too in which people are impoverished and 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 um favela like uh place yeah yeah and i was thinking about the there favelas, they, yeah. they need to be creative they need to have access to low tech technology they have to to recycle upcycle uh they have to use yes an abandoned factory and see how can we how can we do something with this they have to use simple agricultural techniques um it's a different approach but i think the boat will will be uh, will be there at the same time in the future yeah i think those were some of h bottlefield's most valuable discoveries in this future world the ones the communities that he came across that disc- that that were reflecting real resilience um the the the, the areas that have maker hubs and and the the nomadic travelers that are almost you know existing in this minimalistic um way but still managing to get by quite well at least that's yes. what how it's depicted in in universitas and and that for me is how we are going to yeah. design the future because i think you're right that there's i really appreciate how realistic you feel the future will be and i too share that there perhaps will be elements um of dystopia to whatever degree that's arguable um and to face that front on is probably more valuable than denying it and just wishing for utopia so when when i saw you know the maker hubs and uh that what is it the hanging gardens of babylon in the the art communities i was i was really like i was refreshed i was like yes like thank you that that's the people who are on the bleeding edge and they're going to they're going to make it work what i'm what i'm focused on yeah. a little bit more now with my solar punk heart instagram account and with the, the work i'm doing still with eric eric hunting um we we are focused mm-hmm. a lot on on this post industrialism uh maker hubs uh small scale um solutions um we've worked out a complete uh, vision in which people uh, use the existing infrastructure to quickly assemble uh, or, or set up a house with with techniques you see uh, circling around in the tiny house movements and in uh, eco uh, village communities uh, simple techniques simple agricultural practices mm. uh, electric uh, propelled uh, electric vehicles like bicycles uh, and Model, yeah, yeah. Mod- where's my bike? I've got my electric which, bike here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We use, for instance, an, a new, um, yeah, a new label for a new type of architecture is furniture. It's a, a combination, yeah, a combination be- between furniture and architecture. So you can easily oh, uh, right. adapt and and mix architectural elements. So it becomes. A volume inside for instance sure. a larger volume like uh, an abandoned office building in which you build like a small tiny house inside the larger volume that protects you against weather conditions for instance and, and you see how right, right, such, right, a group, right. such a group of people uh, adapts the city for instance by uh, imagine that there is a, a large uh, 
area where there used to be a, a commercial commercial area with uh, office buildings, malls. Imagine that it would be in a, in, in mm. a city that was vulnerable for uh, climate change effects, and um, yeah, a lot of people abandoned the city, so it, it leaves a little bit left behind, and it's not used anymore. So you you end up mm. with those Chinese uh, situations in which you have a lot of buildings that aren't used anymore and are deteriorating. But then a group of such urban yeah. nomads moves in and they uh, yeah and they nomads, and they use yeah, yeah. those buildings, connect them by building structures uh, um, between the, the different buildings. They slope down some of some parts, the facades of the buildings connect them, interconnect them with each other, and they create uh, what I talked earlier mm-hmm. uh, about. They create, they recreate the city as an organism, as a one largely built yeah. um, organic city, and which they can move from building yeah. to building. Yeah. And it's a, it's a different mm-hmm. way at looking at, at what we have and what we can do with it. And they the, the, I talk about nomads because maybe for some groups it will be needed that they uh, can change from place to place to live depending on what the weather conditions will be in the future. Maybe some places will be too hot at a certain time and they will need to move more Nordic or maybe the situation can right. yeah, yeah. Uh, change uh, a little bit um, what the, yeah. the political situation will be too, of course. So, I, I yeah, we've tried to think about how can of course, yes. can you have a lifestyle style that still is very sto- uh, solar punk, very sustainable, uh, um, self reliance uh, element elements in it. So, um, yeah. Oh yeah. And also like opportunistic, right? Like that you know, be, being having a mindset that sees opportunity. Yeah. Absolutely. Even in the darkest of hours, the, the thing. Yeah, and then, yeah. And, and yeah, of course, I, the, you will have such fresco-like arcologies too, which are nice. And I, eventually, I hope that we will uh, end up in such utopian places where body. But I'm not sure that will be mm. for mm. the next. Uh, that will be yeah. Uh, no <laughs> might not be in our lifetime there's too much no yeah and, and i think i think i think realistically yeah. it's going to be a bit more grimier on the way there you know it's going to be a bit grittier the pathway than just yes. like ah oh, very rich society yeah. and yes that's let's true build this you know like, now there's too much inequality there's too much class difference and it's logical mm. from um, if you look at it from um, from a psychological uh, view viewpoint, that people who have a lot will have the idea to to protect it. So it you you will have this this class yes. struggle. People who had um, even people who, who had who want to do to do it in a sustainable way. It's still it's psychologically very difficult to if you have had such a high life life standard. And yes, yeah, that yes. will be a struggle. Um, but yeah, maybe eventually that will will, will yeah. level and people will become more equal to each other. 
that will be in a far away future and mm, mm, mm. then and that at that time it can become very interesting to create uh, large arcology habitats all over the world but uh, that's important yeah and and you do i guess you see you know you see glimpses of these larger arcologies popping up like i don't know have you been to um, been there, have you I've been to singapore pictures about it it's it's very spectacular what they yeah and, and i mean whilst that's not you know that's not like a a community it's more of a it's more of a how would you describe it's just like a destination almost it's just like a place that yeah. a, a demonstration maybe is a better way of putting it it's well, not they, actually a functioning they society do something right now in saudi um, arabia too they're they're the yeah the sheikh who has really uh yeah he really wants to develop a lot in this uh, sustainable technology. He wants to create uh, uh, what he calls the line. It's a city that uh, follows yeah, a line from the, the coast to the, the inlands of Saudi Arabia. And the surface level will be car free. And wow. uh, then you have subterranean levels with uh, electric, I suppose, mono, monorail systems. And you will have yeah, agricultural practices at the the, uh, the floor level, green roofs, uh, vertical farming, all stuff like that. Very high tech, but it's the same like you say. They have wow. they have a problem right now finding a community. So that's a little bit strange. It's the other way around. They create something and then to put a community mm-hmm. in it. I don't. Yeah, and it's also strange. Wow. It's like you say with the same the same about uh, Singapore. Um, those are very yeah, like um, picture for tourists, picture place. And, um, yes, yes. It's a it's a it's a picturesque vision, but it doesn't it doesn't function yeah. with an integrated society within yeah, it. I think which you is, will have. I think what we want to aim for, right? Yeah. And refugee camps than uh, in such a place like Singapore or. Oh, for sure, for sure. That I mean, I, you know, we've been talking about how it's likely that the avenue towards a solar punk future or a, a more eco-conscious future will be a lot grittier and it'll be a bit grimier. And I'm and and also how there will be a mindset that is necessary of, you know, to be opportunistic will, will likely mean you will succeed. Um, just due to the conditions and the surroundings of the day. And I'm reminded of um, one of the things I'm passionate about is is this design framework called permaculture. permaculture. Are, you, are you familiar with permaculture? Not practicing. Yeah, so... I'm not practicing. Uh, but, one uh, of, I'm, I'm, sorry, go on. I live in a city here, so... But, uh... Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just reminded of the, one of the one of the recent permaculture texts by one of the co-originators um, yeah. is a book called Retro Suburbia, and and I really appreciate that because I feel like that's realistic. It's going to be a retrofit before it's a complete redesign. You know what I mean? And and that's what I was reminded by some of your the communities yeah, of how yeah. that they're, they're retrofitting it's what already exists. Yeah, that's an important thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's, it's, yeah. So it's cool because I, I guess the reason why I wanted to share that with you is because, you know, some of the things that you depict and illustrate, they, they are happening, you know, a 
and that's there's something hopeful in there because if we can see it happening then yeah i think it's easy well, that's something to be positive to about right something that they can see that's possible than a, a utopian dream i wouldn't i, I and i don't mm. say that utopia utopian image images aren't interesting because it makes you dream about what what could happen and it it can, can give you right. a positive feeling wow, yes. I would want to live in such a place but it's not real and, but mm. the stuff that you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, with retrofit uh, and, and self-reliance um, that's very interesting because people can see that people can see small techniques oh I can do that or oh that's already yes. happening and actually what you say is true I a lot of stuff that I draw are already happening but at home places uh, and it should mm. it should be scaled up more it um, and uh, that's interesting to see with social media you can reach a lot of people and a lot of communities because behind those people there mm. are communities and it's a way to distribute those ideas and people can do whatever they want with it they can be inspired mm. or can find their own solution or do it better than how you uh, drew it or they can search for the original uh, projects and look it up there it's 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 yeah i think that yeah. that's very powerful and that's powerful the mm-hmm. solar punk movement too uh, because you very you, um, yeah. give me ideas by by talking about yeah stuff and i make some notes and i search that on, on the internet and it inspires mm. me again so and what i do is only illustrating and making things on paper but there are there are other, other people like you who are actually practicing it so that's uh, practicing permaculture so trying mm. to implement all this the, the ideas mm. and i don't know how to yeah yeah well that, that's why that's why i that's why i wanted to i mean obviously i've said this yeah. already but that's why i want to talk yeah. to you that's why i want to help you amplify what you've done because the importance yeah. is greater than just us meeting you know if if people are generally considering considering these worlds becoming real then we need to you need to stack yeah, the layers yeah, of what's yeah. possible that, and help people see it that, you know? that's nice of having such different mm. creative potentials like people busy with agriculture people designers makers and yeah they often, uh, influence each other and actually i was mm. because you were mentioning agricultural practices too i i think you you will be familiar maybe with john todd from eco john todd he, he develops eco machines no. um, an eco machine is actually something that that's been used uh, it, I think it has some biodynamic principles too and, and permaculture principles uh, behind it too but it's ma- mainly used to treat water wastewater so um, he has okay thought okay. about an alternative on how to treat wastewater normally they, they um, supplied the, the, the gray and the black water to um, large treatment plants where they do all kinds of uh, yeah, yeah. processes to make the water uh, drinkable again or not drinkable but at least they can uh, mm. uh, they call it yeah, potable yeah. where it's kind and, of usable um, but not maybe drinkable yeah he but he does it with basically 
principles from nature. So he how uh, rock formations yeah. have an influence on, on and on nature, how bacteria, yeah, yeah. Um, fungi, uh, and algae uh, and plants and plants with roots, mangrove trees, uh, all the stuff he. he um, he, mm-hmm. and he tries to recreate systems which he call eco-machines machines and I'm mm-hmm. right now busy mm-hmm. with a series because in the end he says he, he creates he creates enclosed systems enclosed ecosystems which are basically uh, layers of plants and water circulating between the uh, plants between rock formations mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. boulders and stuff like that uh, that have colonies of bacteria on, yeah, on, yeah. on the surfaces, and and, uh, and yeah. then there are even fish mm. swimming. Uh, and, and he actually studies also what's what's the yeah. importance of other ecosystems that are more farther away in the mountains or in a in an area farther away. So he says it's not only my enclosed ecosystem. Maybe my ecosystem, my designed, engineered ecosystem, needs to communicate with other ecosystems too and then there maybe needs to be, yeah there maybe needs to be an effect right. of, of uh, nature like in the winter it freezes it I, if I enclose it it's protected against um, the seasons and it, it's a protect against but in nature it has its yes. uh, resilience by because it constantly evolves it constantly you have seasons you have weather conditions that constantly change. And that's one of the reasons why nature has such a resilience, such a, yeah, has such a, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's and not he, being he protected. He philosophizes about such uh, ideas and by the, the majority of the yeah. designs he make, they make are still enclosed, but they have uh, connections with the outer world too. So he, he makes it possible that there is an, an inflow of I don't know yeah. water from a nearby river or something uh, such such stuff I don't know but um, I was mm-hmm, thinking mm-hmm. to make a, because in the end he says maybe we don't need to create eco machines maybe we need to create cities that mimic a complete uh, yeah environmental uh, ecosystem and, uh, yeah I was I was yeah. thinking how can we retrofit a city so it can mimic an ecosystem with yeah 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 that, oh that... welcome to permaculture my friend yeah i, I mean uh, uh, listening to you speak about the the way that yeah. water was filtered like that's a very popular thing with permaculture yeah, practitioners yeah. to design natural water gray water systems through the you know yeah. just using the geometry of different aggregates and different reed species that do uh, harbor combined different populations with, of animals. Uh, it's combined yeah, it, it's, with, a, it's a common uh, yeah, practice. Crops and fruits and, and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And, and, and fish, like you were saying yeah, before, I, I, that recycle nutrients back into all that stuff and just recreate. But I think John Tart is mainly focused mm. only on the water treatment part. Um, and I don't know if it's uh, how right. okay. in, in nowadays in permaculture, you mentioned it already. Uh, is it uh, how, where, where do they stand today in, in, in cities, inside cities, permaculture in cities? It, 
Yeah, well, so there's yeah. a there's a the retro suburbia book that I was talking about before is kind of like the latest push for urban permaculture. Um, you know, permaculture has only been around since the '70s or so, and it has been focused for a long time in a more rural context, and it's been slowly encroaching itself towards an urban environment. And what I'm interested in, and there's you know there's fewer people interested in this as there are like a more rural big large broad-scale agriculture but i'm trying to make i'm trying to push for the retrofit of the cities to mimic nature through the permaculture design framework so there's a lot of it starting to happen and i think a lot of a lot more of it needs to happen because how many people live in cities you know so yeah so it is quite common you know I, I I know a lot of people because I'm interested in this world. But if you do yeah, some yeah, yeah. research, there well, is plenty I'm of people doing it to, to to help creatively yeah, yeah. explore, artistically explore how and yeah can mm. be done and in, inside a more urban habitat. Mm. Yeah, it happens <laughs> in my backyard right now here in Sydney, Australia. Like I've got you know I've got a, an old bathtub. Yeah that I use to recycle grey water. So it's possible. Um, Jacob, uh, sorry, Dustin, what is what is your favourite community in the book? I think the, the same that you created. As, uh, you mentioned earlier to the urban nomads, I uh, really like um, a lot. And uh, mm-hmm. the last chapter is about uh, an artistic community that squats um, large cities. And that's mm. what I like too, because I'm... Yeah, I'm, I'm an artist too. So, um, well, it's all about a, yeah. a large, more abandoned, uh, anarchistic city that gets squatted by large groups of um, free minds, artists, artists, musicians, um, inventors, and who create a, a chaotic uh, city and turn it in, into something sustainable, something green. Why, why do I like the nomads and those the squatted yeah. cities is because I think they have the perfect um, the perfect mixture to to um, encourage creativity and creative solutions and um, large organized yeah. uh, designed arcology cities it lacks maybe a little bit creativity to adapt to um, uh, you know to recreate new um, new solutions for ever-changing problems um, especially mm. right now and maybe because it's more realistic yeah. too maybe because that's more more the the story for the most of, of, of the people uh, you know mm. Uh, mm. most of the creative types right like uh, I, I i don't know about about you but in my past life before I had a family and a, and a son I spent probably about 15 yeah, years yeah. painting graffiti and street art and and we existed in those environments you know we would we would hunt out the edges of the city to find the dilapidated warehouse that was unused and untouched that became the playground and the creative spaces that lots of people like the nomads in your book yeah. would populate to create the visions of the future so it also really, you know, it really spoke to me as well because 
that's yeah. kind of a background that I feel really close to. It reminds me a little bit about um, yeah. something that I worked out in, in the Universitas book too, about those nomads. They search for uh, small villages that have become ruins, ruins or um, more mm. industrial uh, yeah. areas, and they go there and they convert it into a, um, um, a, a garden, a large garden. Uh, with seats and using mm. techniques so they, they can use the walls and the, the old buildings to grow food on it and so by doing it they help nature to recovering and re rewilding and it even faster um, and so that that's a narrative in which mm. a group of nomads travels from village to village they plant seeds and plant uh, all kinds of plants and uh, crops inside the the old city or old village and then they come back to harvest later on um yeah yeah well it's, I'm, yeah, that's it's a little so bit cool. like the graffiti they kind of set up uh, shop they go to, to search places and help, yeah. help nature um, rewilding that yeah reclaiming it yeah well that there's a whole movement of that right now as well um, of guerrilla gardening, you know, guerrilla, guerrilla farming has become a bit of a, a movement as well, where people are doing exactly that. A lot of a lot of avian, um, uh, a, like people who uh, look after bees, they are all nomadic. They they rely on the seasons to follow particular flowering crops and things like that. And I was I, I heard of a movement of um, native beekeepers who find these areas like you're talking about with your nomads they plant you know flowering varieties that they know will benefit the bees and come back next season when they're flowering and leave their bees there and they just constantly move around these areas that are often you know old broken down warehouses wow, yeah, that's and i just thought that was incredibly yeah. <laughs> incredibly cool i heard about guerrilla gardening yeah i wasn't i'm not i don't know if it's yeah. very big here in europe probably there are people practicing yeah it's pretty big it's pretty big yeah i mean i say no, pretty okay. big but that's cool it's it's popular in europe as well yeah yeah listen dustin i just wanted to say yeah. one last time thank you so much for doing what you do um i think it's incredibly important that people listening to this and people who view your book who everyone should go and view your book universitas um yeah go to, so so what is what is the site if you'd like to tell us the site where can people find your stuff bottlefield um like you pronounce it uh dot com or on instagram at instagram or solarpunk art at yeah Yes, which is where I found you, and it's it's you you, uh, now you post it's often not anymore from images the book. from it's that more, book. Uh, an ongoing uh, conversation I have with with small community of, of uh, yeah, scientists, architects, uh, science fiction writers, and I post the illustrations over there, uh, small sketches. But it's more like you say. There's more, much more activity on Instagram. Mm -hmm. My website uh, is a little bit more static. And okay. A lot of the illustrations that I post nowadays on Instagram, right? You will not find on um, on my website. Universalist project is um, 
one it's finished okay. it's a finished product so i don't make new artwork for that book anymore okay um but um yeah i'm promoting it still so when i'm still using the images to to uh, explain some yeah. ideas or to share it with people so but you can find a lot about universities on my site if you want to read about it and of course you can buy the book too all uh, information yeah, yeah. Information. oh yes buy the book by the book people it, i mean it looks beautiful it's it's an amazing it's an amazing artifact you know that that an artifact that is helping to develop yeah, yeah, a sure. future that many people want to see yeah. yeah all right um thank you so much dustin i really appreciate the time Absolutely. and um i really look forward to following your work yeah okay yeah let's keep in touch and hang on the line up